It's the health of a team and the well-being of the person. Those two things go together. You can't separate those two. And so we spend so much time focusing on teams because we know that a team is comprised of people. And a person's health is going to contribute to the health of the team. It's like when I was doing my graduate work. Um, one of the things that we're focusing on is doing clinicals around marital counseling. And my advisor said, you're not actually doing marriage counseling. You're counseling individuals because a healthy individual will contribute to the health of the couple. It takes two healthy people to create a healthy partnership. It's that very concept that I'm bringing to this approach to teams. We want to spend so much time focusing on teams because we believe that it is a coming together of people that can help the health of the individual and healthy people will contribute to a healthy team. One of the takeaways I would hope for at the end of this conversation is that we would each have an increased awareness of what our responsibility is to contribute to the health of a team. I really don't believe that there's any passive participant on a team, that everyone has an active role to play in the health of a team. And if we begin to look at that as maybe a challenge to each one of us, as how healthy am I, and in what way am I showing up to a team, and how is that impacting those that are around me? I really think that some of the biggest challenges a team faces is relying on one person to lead or direct the team. I believe that every person has a leading role in a team's interaction. I believe that every person on a team has a a role of influence in that team. And the more healthy we are, the more aware we are of that responsibility, the greater potential we have for team health. Thank you for joining us today on the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. My name is Nathan Freeberg, one of the consultants at Leadership Vision, and today's show is all about teams, or more specifically, the five reasons why we spend so much time focused on them. On the show today, Brian Schubring and I, Brian is our founder and president, well, we're going to be unpacking five things that are incredibly important to team health. It's our why, why we do this work. Whenever we work with teams, we want to help them move through some of the normal dynamics and functions that every team experiences. We also want them to put into practice some lessons that we've learned on how teams function well together. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about the five lessons that we try to teach teams that help them invest in their overall team health. The first idea here is that of taking an observational approach. Pan back and watch yourself function on the team. Watch yourself, like have an out-of-body experience, you could say, like just watch yourself from above. The second is identifying patterns of active and reactive participation. Are you actively engaging your team and is that your preference? Or is your preference to react to what's going on with the team? And that each one of us as individuals have preferred patterns of how we interact. 
The third, and this might sound obvious, but you'd be surprised how often it's overlooked, is just reminding teams that they're a collection of people with real, actual needs. Everybody has a social, emotional, and relational need that they're seeking to have met on a team. The fourth is all about patterns of team health. Whether we consider our team healthy or unhealthy, I believe that every member of a team is able to say, here are some patterns of health that we have, or here are some patterns of health that we should aspire to. Finally, the fifth lesson that we try to impart on all teams that we work with is that there's a tremendous opportunity for ongoing personal and professional development. Whenever a team comes together, there is an unrecognized element of personal and professional development that could be happening. See, we think teams are critical for not just moving the mission of the organization forward, but because it's within the team context that we really have a good understanding of who we all are. When a team is given the chance to focus inwardly on who each person is, well, they begin to mine all of the different layers of those individuals, and in turn, what makes that team function. And that work can also identify the key elements as to why the team might be struggling or why the team breaks down sometimes when certain topics or tasks come up. So I asked Brian to give us just a snapshot of these five elements and share some of the reasons why we've chosen to focus on these things. There's something here that you might be able to take back to your team and implement right away. But as always, if you'd like help or have follow-up questions, something's not clear, well, just drop us a line. There's a link to our contact form in the show notes, or simply email us at connect at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. So the first thing we're going to talk about here today is this concept of taking an observational approach. Here's Brian explaining this in context. So whenever we start a team engagement session with someone, um, we're going to ask them to take an observational approach. And what that, that means is just to take a different level of understanding of your role in a team. Most of the time we're working on a team, we're working on a project, we're talking with someone about something, and we're really like in the midst of all that. Watch yourself, like have an out-of-body experience, you could say, like just watch yourself from above. You know, when do you engage? When do you lean forward? When do you cross your legs and get frustrated? Listen to what you sound like. Um, I think that can be a frightening exercise when you take an observational approach. It's like, how do I sound when I say these things? And just watch your timing and tempo of, of when you become involved in a team's dynamic. That observational approach really changes a person's understanding of how they're being perceived. So you're talking about observing what you're doing outside of your job function, just how you're interacting, not like observe how good of a job you are doing the tasks of your job. Right. It's actually in the process. Right. So if we have a topic of, let's say, dealing with conflict, um, we'll try to contextualize um, the team, like asking them when they've gone through a recent conflict, and then we'll apply this principle. Now, take an observational approach. When did you find yourself participating? What was your body language doing at the beginning? Were your arms crossed? Were you leaning back? And one of the things that I give is I'll always give an example of I'm someone who's more comfortable reacting to something. So I'll kind of lean back. I may ask a couple of questions to get things going, but then I will sit back. I'll lean back. I tend to cross my arms a lot, which I think can be offensive to people um, because it makes it look like I'm not engaged. That's kind of just how my body lands. And what does that look like? How could that be perceived? That's an observational approach. 
So how do you then take an observational approach of others that maybe doesn't look like it's just being judgmental? Right, because that's also really important. Because when you pan back and you watch your functioning team work, you're not just observing yourself, you're observing what other people are doing as well. There may be people there that may seem like they're distracted. There could be people there that are um, they, they are a verbal processor, so they're, they're talking all the time and you're reacting to that. I think it's just as important to understand how you're interacting with other people so that observational approach affects or your observational approach includes what you're seeing in the room around you. There could be someone who's taking vigorous notes. There could be someone who's taking that thinker posture where they have their hand on their, on their chin. They're just kind of looking and they're tilting their head. And you could have another person who's focused eye to eye with someone who maybe feels so uncomfortable because they're creating an emotional connection. You're responding to that. And we want the observational approach to not just be your interaction with your team, but your team's actions around you. So I think it's hard to objectively zoom out and see how our actions and behaviors are impacting others. But we never said this was going to be easy, so don't let that discourage you if this seems difficult. This is going to take some practice, as will everything we're going to talk about here today. But you know, anything worth accomplishing, well, it does take some hard, intentional, focused effort. So the second thing that we are introducing to teams that can be a bit of an aha moment is this concept of active and reactive patterns. It's really helpful if team members understand whether or not they are actively engaging, if that's their preference, or if their preference is to react to what's going on with the team. Each one of us as individuals do have a preference as to how we engage. Here's Brian again to explain this. One of the things that we inevitably ask a team is to put themselves in the context of when a team was functioning well. And then we'll ask them this, what was your preferred pattern of interaction with the team? Were you actively interacting with the team? For example, were you leading the discussion? Uh, Did you have an action plan that that you were explaining to someone? Were you delivering some type of report to the team? That's an active role. And Is that your preference? Would you rather lead something in an an active way? Would you rather verbally process, share what you're thinking, and then watch people respond to you? So that's what we're saying by active pattern. That could be someone that's dealing with some of the, the relational needs of the team, some of the directional needs of the team. You just prefer to have an active role. The second pattern that we bring up is a reactive pattern. And that may be someone who is really comfortable responding to what the emotional needs are, responding to the plan that's being delivered. They may want to see the quarterly report and they want to hear the executive say something back about that report and then they react to it because they know that when you think about someone's strengths profile, they may need to have data in front of them. They may need to see an action plan in front of them. They may need to see some deadlines and resources. A person may need to see a timeline for delivery. And it's through that information or a connection with somebody else that they react and their preferences to react to something in the room. Then they feel like they're contributing in a healthy way. It may seem like just the simplest thing that we're bringing up is active or reactive pattern, but it gives people such permission to say, you know what? I, I love reacting and, and myself included. Like I just love to be able to respond to a bunch of ideas that are being presented, to respond to a solution, um, to hear what someone's feeling or what they're picking up from somebody else. I, I want to know that. Then I know what I can respond to. I love playing that, that role. Maybe I don't respond well right away because I'm like surprised by something, but that is my much 
my much preferred pattern of playing in a meeting is to have a reactive role. Since I've been working on this episode, I've been thinking a lot about what I prefer to do here. And I think my ideation likes the process of being active, to throw out a bunch of ideas and then see how others react to them. I'm also happy to sit back and react to the ideas of others. But if I had my preference, again, we're talking about preferences here, it would be that way, that active way. Preferences here aren't good or bad. They're just, well, preferences. All right, so the third element here and why we love working with teams is because it gives us the opportunity to remind them, to remind the team that they are a composition of people with needs. You can't discount that or say, yeah, that's just the touchy-feely kumbaya stuff that, well, we frankly don't have time to deal with in the midst of everything else. Now, this might sound obvious, and maybe you're rolling your eyes hearing that, but you'd be surprised by how much more productive and honestly just happy that your team members will be once this is acknowledged. All people have needs, and and we bring these things up. We say that everybody has a social, emotional, and relational need that they're seeking to have met on a team. Now, that concept in and of itself is always an eye-opener to the people that we're working with because they, they think to themselves like, well, why would you come to this team meeting with an emotional, social, or relational need? And, and our response is, you're not coming to the table with that need. As a human being, you have that need. And the teams that we're on are going to in some way add that level of meaning to our lives, whether we realize it or not. So think about this. Uh, we had a conversation just the other day um, with our leadership vision team. We were planning for something, and the conversation was going in a direction where I felt like I wasn't tracking. I felt like I wasn't contributing. I didn't understand the direction that we were going. And just to put it mildly, like I was just confused. <laughs> and so to apply this, I know it's funny. I, 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 I think I know what means Because we you in. were there. I was, I was there. <laughs> and so here's what I was feeling. I wasn't feeling relationally left out. What I was feeling was socially left out because I felt like socially the, the team was moving in a direction and I wasn't with them. So I felt socially left out. I felt like I, I was no longer contributing um, to the betterment of the good of the moment. And so in, in that moment, my relational need to be long wasn't being met. Now, I know that may sound a little obtuse, but we're dealing with people. And when, but when you think about this even further, someone's emotional disconnect from a team um, can just cause that person to not interact at all because they feel like they're emotionally not safe. They may feel emotionally threatened. And that's just simply a person's display that I have emotional needs too. Think of the last time that you were in a team meeting where you felt like you were misunderstood, where you didn't feel like you could actually share what you were thinking. That would also be that same that meeting. Same that meeting. same meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting you bring that up. I wasn't going to go there, but we're, we're, we're yeah. there. <laughs> well, I think this is fascinating, and not to interrupt your train of thought, but we're, we're sort of processing this thing that we both felt that we didn't talk about, uh, but both of us had perhaps the same need, but regardless, needs were, were not getting met. That I wonder, had we um, approached that differently, we could have easily mm-hmm. met those needs. Yep. So when we bring these things up with a team, like what just happened here, there is this awareness, that same level of surprise when I bring up the concept that these needs are there, 
the same level of surprise happens when someone realizes how they too have experienced that recently. And when we feel like we're not safe, we feel too vulnerable, that's an emotional reaction to something that's happening in the room. Someone could have said something that was totally innocent, but it was a word choice or a tempo or style of delivery that caused an emotional reaction within us that will then distance us from being a participant or an active member of that that team. Yeah, we start, we start to shut down and we're not our best we're not our best. We're not leveraging the things that make us strong. Yep. And one of the things that I think is is perhaps the most important of these three needs is that relational need, is that we as human beings have a need to be relationally connected. And some of the professional teams that, that we serve on may or may not have relationships on them that we feel connected to. And I just want to just raise that question is, Who on your professional team do you feel a relational connection to? That's all I'm asking. It's just a simple, like, small question. And we see that um, the individual connection just one-to-one can make the biggest difference. If you have one person on that team that doesn't feel like they even have one connection with someone, that person's going to have a real difficult time finding their place and finding their meaningful role on that team. We'll be right back. At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. Everyone wants to find meaning and purpose. The more intentional you're doing this with your team, the more effective and engaged your team members will be. Team health is the next topic here. And if this sounds familiar, well, it kind of is. We did another podcast about this a while back. I'll link to it in the show notes. But here, we're talking more about the patterns or norms that all teams establish. Some are healthy, and some are not so much. In any team, the patterns that are established are influenced by our past and present. And whether we consider our team healthy or unhealthy, well, every team member should be able to see those patterns of health that are present and good on the team as well as those aspirational patterns of team health that should really be sought after. Here's Brian again explaining how we help teams identify what these are. One of the exercises that we introduce to identify what these are is, again, we use this idea of of context. We ask individual team members to remember a time when they were on a professional team. Not the team that we are working with, but a time when they were on a team where they had healthy patterns of interaction, healthy team patterns. And what we have found is to a person, a, everyone that we've worked with will be able to identify a time and a place when they were on a healthy team. And they were able to then identify the patterns that made that team healthy. That, that exercise in and of itself says so much. Because first of all, it'll be able to say, is this team reflecting that? you can check that box off yes or no. Second, it will tell you what that person is looking for, for them to feel like the team is healthy. 
And I'm just going to say, get ready for any type of response because what you're going to hear is someone saying, you know what? When I was on that team, I felt it was healthy and here's why. And what they're actually saying is that their social, emotional, and relational needs are being met in some unique and specific way that, guess what? They didn't forget it. These are all tied together. Yes, they are. <laughs> so they're going to then, in their mind, in their, their conscious mind, they're going to be actually looking for that as well in this, this current team. That, that's one application. is one personal reflection of when were you on a team that you felt was, was healthy. The second application of this is what patterns of health does this team have? And we have also found that regardless of how functional or challenged this team is, they're going to be able to identify times when things did go well. So we want to put those marks on there as well because you always want to create um, that perspective that there is hope here, that things are going well because sometimes a team can focus on what's not going well and, and overinflate what that really is. But team health, patterns of team health, are extremely important for us to identify. Can you share examples of some patterns of good team health or is it so unique and different for each team that there there aren't maybe universal patterns that that should be present in a good healthy functioning team? There are many ways to illustrate patterns of healthy behavior on a team. Um, we've had so many teams that we've worked with that have identified a variety of, of patterns. Some of those patterns could be how a manager or supervisor was having one-to-one conversations with their team members every single week. Another pattern of healthy behavior could be that all of their conference calls are done through video and so that there's never a, a, a conference or a distance meeting that happens without a person's ability to see somebody else. Uh, there could be patterns of problem solving where they have a way that they go through a series of uh, like a decision-making tree to get to a decision um, and also introductions of new material. There could be like an, an annual sales meeting. There could be a communication meeting that happens every single month. These are patterns of health that are reflective of what the culture values. And so every healthy team is in some way a display or, or an extension of the values of that culture. So the, some of these patterns are about identifying how those connect to the values, to the things that you've said, this is important to us. Do our patterns of behavior actually reflect that? Yes and no. Ah, We've also, so yes to what you just said, that healthy teams uh, tend to be the byproduct of a healthy culture and the team is reflecting what the values of the culture are. But the converse is also true. We have worked with several teams that are existing within a culture that has a series of challenges and there's something in the culture that's not working. And in the midst of that culture, the team has in some way created patterns and expectations of how they're going to work together to create a sense of health in the midst of a bunch of swirl that they would consider unhealthy. My big takeaway from this section is recognizing that everything we do on a team says something about what we value and how those values connect to the level of importance that we've placed on the health of our team. Spend some time brainstorming these things the next time your team is together. Finally, one of the reasons why we work in teams is to introduce this idea that there's an opportunity for personal and professional development each and every time a team is together. Now, we're not talking about retreats and seminars or self-help books and motivational speakers. It's potentially far simpler than that and can happen on a weekly or even a daily basis. 
This is also really where we leverage the language of strengths. Here's Brian explaining this concept and really tying all of these things together. There's an opportunity for personal and professional development that originates within a team meeting. Oh, every week. So think about that. Okay. And here's what I mean. Um, When we are working with a professional team, uh, we are introducing concepts that can be applied to team health. But then when you think about that, we are talking about human beings that are existing within like a closed loop. Uh, There are relational expectations there. Well, guess what? That's the same thing that you can apply to your family, to your friends, to your social networks. And that is one way that we introduce this idea that what we're talking about within your professional environment can be seen as personal development for your personal lives. So when we talk about how you prefer to communicate or solve problems or how you choose to get some tasks done, those same principles can be applied on a personal level to relationships and places outside the professional context. Can it go the other way as well? Absolutely. Okay. And here's one of the ways that we do that. One of the things that we introduce in our team sessions is this question, where do your preferences come from? And what we do in that is we're asking an individual to like look back to their family of origin, look back to the culture within which they were raised, that unique environment that they were brought up in, and also to consider elements of like what time in history were you raised? Because each of those three elements, your family of origin, the culture or environment that you were raised in, and the period of history that you were in, they're all going to shape your preferences and and how you show up. So that personal formation, that the very elements that went into who you are as a person today, that will influence how you show up as a professional and maybe what you may need in professional development that's best fit for you. Can you give me an example or two of that? One example is an individual who was the son of immigrants. And so he talked about what it was like to be raised in an immigrant family. That's his family of origin. So he's a first-generation American living in a large urban center. So that was his context. So the culture that he was raised in was an immigrant culture of an urban environment. So those two things certainly shaped who he was at a time in history when there was a great migration of immigrants coming to the United States. Now, if you look at that just in and of itself, that period of time in American history, that has a strong shaping influence on what that person may bring to a professional context and what they may need for professional development within that context. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. I really hope that you have a heightened awareness of your responsibility on a team and how who you are and the way you engage contributes to the health of that team. How do you show up? Pay attention to that because we believe that you and every person on your team has a massive role in influencing that team in positive or negative ways. It's the health of a team and the well-being of the person. Those two things go together. You can't separate those two. And so we spend so much time focusing on teams because we know that a team is comprised of people and that a person's health is going to contribute to the health of the team. We'd love it if you would subscribe to the Leadership Vision Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. 
Thanks for listening.